well. I think all of you know that uh, MMA is doing its best in organizing such success story uh, program for the benefit of members. Today we are having with us Mr. Ramaratnam. I think uh, he has given a prelude on about him with a little bit suspense. That is very interesting personality with a lot of credentials. Of course, I am going to read few of them. First of all, he is a B.Tech from IIT Madras. Then he done M.Tech all in triple E only. I mean, double electricals and electronics, correct? From <coughs> Mumbai. So both graduation as well as post graduations in triple uh, E is, is having. Then he started his career with uh, as a managing successfully for the last 35 years. A well-knit team of electrical, electronics, and mechanical engineers has handled successfully concluded several product developments. This is also very essential. In fact, he started his career with the Jodi Limited, Vadodhra, after post-graduation, reached the position of senior development engineer in charge of electric motor development, including HT motors. The most interesting thing about him is he is having patents for himself. That is that's the most interesting. I think we have to give a big hand to Mr. Rajatan. He is having a multi-speed motor controller uh, patent granted in USA. I think getting patent in USA is not uh, that easy. I think you have to prove yourself. Then portable electric tool granted that also in USA. Three more are in the patent patenting process in textile drivers, drives, generator controls and kitchen appliance. I think all of you wonder that a non-technical person like me is chairing a session today for a technical session. In fact, that is most interesting. So I will also learn a little about the technical aspects of the various engineering things, you know, which we are not, normally we are not having that type of exposure. And one more thing is, he is uh, presently focusing on embedded controls for electrical machines, mainly for the energy conservation, renewable energy, power conditioning and measurement. In fact, he developed a very sweet and short method for this solar, I mean, energy, you know, that's most uh, interesting thing. So with this introduction, I am, I am feeling today's session is going to be very, very powerful and uh, meaningful to all the members. I welcome Mr. Ramaratnam to present his credentials. Thank you. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is a pleasure to be amongst you this evening. I should thank uh, Captain Vijay Kumar for giving me this opportunity. <coughs> of course, it is uh, titled uh, a success story. Mm. I would rather put it as trials and tribulations of a tenacious technocrat. <laughs> because, you know, it was not easy those days <coughs> in the late 70s to start a business, a first generation entrepreneur at that. <coughs> and then make some name in the industry. <coughs> I will structure today's agenda as, uh, sorry, the last slide has come first. <laughs> I will briefly talk about uh, the, I mean almost 50%, what uh, 
how, what were the issues how we overcame the overcame those things and then the strategies that we adopted when india shifted to globalization and all these things and then how we are now transforming ourselves into a futuristic company <coughs> in this there is also a very important aspect of uh, green energy i am sure there must be architects green passionates amongst the audience sustainable development two important things water and energy this what jeff himmelt the present ceo of uh, ge general electrics he identified water and energy as the two key things for his company <coughs> uh, so we have done some work on that uh, i will also briefly go through that uh, in this thing with these words let's get on to the job <coughs> i come from basel energetics private limited that is our logo basel is you know tulasi <coughs> it's green that is our this thing now how we started this was at some time when the late uh, second half of 70s i am a electrical engineer by profession after work, working for about 9 years 7 um, 8 years outside uh, i mean in india i have always been, even though i am iitian i am i have always been uh, in india <coughs> and uh, about uh, f- uh, three four not four years but 2007 we had our 40th reunion in iit madras uh, at that time somebody one of the we interacted with the graduating class people who passed out 40 years back and what uh, the current graduating class <laughs> one g- guy from there he said uh, some panelists about 10 pe- people were there they asked how many of you are still practicing engineering <coughs> believe me we are about uh, 200 students at that time graduated out of which we gathered about 60 65 only two people stood up and said yes we are practicing engineers <coughs> many of them have gone to I mean, management people mbas iit is more of a visa for iim or abroad gmat and Wharton or Stanford or Harvard. <coughs> so, that time, 1975-76, when we just started, 77, electric motor is my speciality. <coughs> electric motor, you know, that time the, <coughs> the industry was dominated by multinationals even those days. We had Siemens, we had brown bowery it was known as hindustan brown bowery those days hbb now it is abb then we had ge american universal electric they have taken over that company and uh, ge was there and uh, there was one company in based in bangalore called ngef i don't know how many people remember that new government electric factory that was actually a technical collaboration technical and financial collaboration of aeg electric it was one of the pioneer in europe germany and uh, they say three so in that time many many of my classmates many of my friends were telling why are you entering this uh, 
thing and then not to talk of the local people like kirloskar electric crompton greaves and uh, my own ex company jyoti they were all big motor players in that we we decided it was a somebody may say it is a rather foolish attempt we but we did try that at that time <laughs> what was important was choosing your positioning uh, i mean uh, positioning your product choosing the product mix all these people were concentrating on standard motors so we decided we will go with very special type motors which were import substituted many of you i see lot of gray hairs in this uh, you will know how difficult it was uh, to import something at those, those days you need a license many many youngsters may not even know that And then the tariffs were so high you will have to go to dgtd get to so that that such thing is not manufactured in india lot of procedural formalities there so that was actually a very important thing import substitution that was the name of the game those days <coughs> in this we actually come uh, try to position ourselves as a niche player in special purpose motor very special motors like vibrator motors actually the motor itself vibrates no like you require pump for moving liquids for moving solids you require vibrator vibratory conveyor vibratory feeder vibratory bins vibratory screens in fact the very first order i got was uh, from madras fertilizers uh, here uh, they imported some quite a bit of motors from us and uh, when they they switched on the motor it was promptly within 10 minutes it was burning out so they were they were they rewound it again same thing happened then they went to iit madras my alma mater and uh, they asked the professors there fortunately some of the professors with whom i was interacting electrical engineering they had some sweet corner for me perhaps uh, they said no no we are all we teach about motors some problems like this is better one of our student is in number two you go and talk to him <coughs> that's how it started and i went to mfl madras fertilizers what they the americans had done was sold a 60 cycles motor to india if that operates in 50 cycle it will burn out in 10 minutes and i changed the winding it worked at 50 cycles the rest as they say is history almost all the fertilizer plant in this country at that time was with our motor we indigenized that motor that was our first major success story i would say <coughs> then there was another important thing you many of you would know there was a company called beston crompton <laughs> they had a english collaboration british collaboration that was in the early 80s 81 or so mm-hmm. uh, fortunately one gentleman i mean they had uh, you know the valve actuators big chemical plants power plants and all they have valves butterfly valves gate valves a lot of uh, valves are there they are remotely controlled you need a motor to actuate that it's a very special purpose motor they were imp- they were planning to import from um britain because this is they had a collaboration with a british company called rotark controls 
now of course the rotor controls is there but beston crompton is no more rotor has bought over all the things it is a british company in 81 we indigenized that motor and we supplied for 18 no why 20 years we be supplied to that all the power plants and chemical plants in this country were actually with our our motors we didn't allow even one motor import in that uh, by the time the plant was ready my motor development was ready this how it went <laughs> we had the flame proof certification lot of things uh, we did ntpc approved it that was a very big success uh, for our company <coughs> that is called actuator valve actuator motor is a very special motor <laughs> then there is a something called torque motor actually this is for some kind of a de reeling industry you know when you wind something you know some filament or uh, this thing when you are winding it on a, a drum you require you know the torque should vary as the diameter go, the peripheral speed will be same so that uh, that motor also be indigenous we sold quite a lot of motors on that this is how we actually positioned ourselves so we we quickly came out of the initial uh, teething problems and uh, we were doing very well and then we identified the defense sector because they are one of the largest importers i think they still are <coughs> lot of uh, imports are done by the this thing people talk about indigenization and all <coughs> but we did quite a lot of work for the uh, army uh, their one of their drdo labs based in uh, pune we made uh, you know the motor normally we have 50 cycles here our power supply america is uh, 60 we made 400 cycles motors <coughs> they were struggling to get the we you know those days uh, soviet union was our close uh, defense uh, partner so lot of uh, Uh, import equipments were based on uh, Soviet Union, now Russia. So that, those motors we indigenized. Then, wait, how to get that 400 cycles supply? So we made the alternator for that. <coughs> that is another one. Then for navy, the frigates, you know, the big, uh, their, uh, the captain where the ship captain thinks there is a big, huge windshield is there. that wiper it doesn't go radially like that it goes linearly like that the motor for that we developed almost all the frigates at that time was uh, with our motor of course we were not wiper motor people basically lucas tvs my next door neighbor was very strong in that for the car alternators but uh, in car uh, automobile wipers but we made very special purpose wipers see why i'm telling is this is how we actually try to find our feet in a very crowded market in a very dominating i mean in a market dominated by very large multinationals and things like that <laughs> and another very interesting project we did was for hindustan shipyard for the ships again the normally every ship has got two alternators for the power supply mm. they don't have one big alternator suppose 500 kilowatt they don't have one they have two 250 kilowatt and they actually run this two in synchronism you need some very special purpose uh, one choke for that they were importing from siemens germany at a phenomenal cost 
I didn't know about this that we were quite uh, raw in pricing and all those days. So but they, I think they were importing some, those days it was half a lakh or something. We quoted 12,000 rupees. <laughs> and we promptly got the order and we completed this uh, thing. But that was a big money for us uh, those days. <laughs> so this is, this, these are all the uh, things we were giving. So this is how the initial setup was done. Then came uh, no, some important electronic industry was actually restricted to some public sector things like uh, Bharat Electronics, Bharat Heavy Electricals and then Electronic Corporation of India. They were importing lot of fans to cool those electronic components. We indigenize all these things. So it was actually the name of the game was import substitution. The, I'm talking in late 70s and uh, early 80s. <coughs> That's how it went. And then came the consolidation phase. At that time I, uh, I thought the appliance industry is going to be a future. We established with that a new plant in Sholavaram on the outskirts of uh, on the way to Nellore, the Chennai-Kolkata highway. Mm. Kolkata Highway, now I should say that. <laughs> uh, so it is uh, NH5. Uh, just after Red Hills, we got some. I mean, we were the first. It was actually an agricultural village. We went and established our motor, wide uh, motor manufacturing facility. In fact, there are a lot of people used to. Why did you come to Chennai? You should have gone to Coimbatore. <laughs> motor was actually dominated by Coimbatore people. But Chennai was always, I'm much more at home, that's how we came. And uh, we went to that Cholavaram place, they, no, they won't know, because they, most of their uh, houses also, electricity is there, half the time the power will not be there, they don't even know there is a shock or not. <coughs> so there we actually put raw people, trained them, and then we made one difference there. I refused to make motors in a conventional way. In our other factory, special purpose motor, their numbers were small. We were planning, we were making it in small numbers only. Maybe 100 per month, 200 per month like that. But in the appliance industry, the numbers are much larger. So we decided that we will go for automation or selective automation of winding. All the winding, the series of machines, and that again getting the imports of that machine is a it was a very difficult job so we took the easy out we decided we will make the machines ourselves so in the uh, uh, mid 80s i was more of a mechanical engineer designing those machines i used to go to hanover fair and some fair in uh, coil winding fair in us and then go in the night time you come or some of the you know as a buyer you go to those manufacturers who make those machines look at that machine come back to the hotel make the sketches <laughs> <laughs> that's how we we did that and we successfully implemented this in the i think uh, by 82 83 we we had these machines mostly <laughs> made in house <clears throat> and our strategy was focus only on winding assembly 
Don't get into shaft manufacturing, aluminium castings. I mean, a motor has so many components. Fortunately, Chennai being an automobile ancillary, even those days, a lot of such facilities were available. So we made full use of them. We got everything outsourced, except winding and assembly testing. Of course, design is our core competency, so we, we decided to do that. See, outsourcing concept, because I know some of my own friends, even for example, the Sumit Mixi, they tried to make everything in-house. Backward integration, forward integration, all sorts of things they do. Finally, they disappeared from the market. I mean, this, this happened to one company in uh, Coimbatore, some of you might have known, called Minu Mix. This is another big uh, uh, mixy manufacturer. That uh, gentleman, I, I told him, don't do that. <laughs> he refused to do that. He, was, he started making, except I think copper wire, everything he was making himself. <clears throat> now that company is no more. <clears throat> So the outsourcing concept, which I later learned from multinationals, that is, I mean, you do what is good for you, where you are specialist, but uh, otherwise it will be a big issue. <coughs> so one problem with this was, we actually we established a line, one for AC motors, that is other for DC motors, because the mixy, vacuum cleaner, all these things uh, use DC type motors with uh, brushes, commutator, like that. It is a, it's a, diff a little different motor. <laughs> there was no company which had both together, they say. <laughs> we were little ahead of time and our <laughs> cycle time or production was every minute we can turn out one motor. AC motor, like your pump motor or a fan motor, the AC motor. And mixy or vacuum cleaner, you can turn out a motor in half a minute. 30 cycles was our search. That was huge though. People were telling this is a very uh, big capacity. Actually, compared to at that time, there was a Japanese company called, uh, who was making the small motors, mm -hmm. Mabuchi. He was making 1 million motors per day. That was the uh, thing. And I was very happy to have a four, uh, 400 motors per shift was a big deal in India. <coughs> so we promptly ran into problems because this, even this, our this thing didn't have uh, 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 bias. All the people, because everybody can even including Sumi, they said, uh, no, no, motor is the heart of the appliance. We want to make it ourselves. If that goes out, what is the USP of our thing? Like that they started. Actually the the table turned at uh, with Eureka Forbes, the vacuum cleaner people. At that time one Mr. Marfatia, all the management people will know, he made that, uh, you know, direct selling. <coughs> he, I met him in uh, Bangalore and when sir, I still remember that meeting when sir Manal Hotel. He said, Doc, how much motors you can make? I said, how much you want? You, you tell me how much you can make. I can sell everything. My problem is, the facet Asia at that time, they were giving motors for them. They were not able to supply more than 5,000 per month. He said, you give me as much you want. So with my, that is a AC-DC motor, that half a minute, one motor, that kind of a thing. We said, okay, in the third month, we gave 15,000 and after that we went to 20,000 like that. It was a continuous thing. Actually, Mafatia used to tell me, you are, but for you this 
but the so called success story of mine <laughs> would have never been uh, no <laughs> the problem in all these things were we were inside the appliance nobody knows who is making the motors <laughs> and like a typical you know uh, the tab uh, uh, this thing a first generation tabel entrepreneur i was very happy that to the chennai culture you those days was like that you be ancillary to somebody <laughs> Unlike this way, the Coimbatore people were very different. Even a small fellow will sell on his own name. We we were very much worried, so we were very happy supplying to these people. Uh, later, I realized we should have done something. After all, I had the motor for Mixi. After what you have to do is on plastic housing and jars were available off the shelf. I could have made my own Mixi. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it uh, went. So we were. even the b2b marketing was little difficult those days because people were wanting to have this key thing motor after all in all the washing machine or this thing see we have, we supplied you any of i think most of you would have used alpiz one of my motor the sumit mix the sumit mixi the vacuum cleaner viraka pops or a whirlpool automatic washing machine a panasonic mixi we were supplying to all these guys but we were inside nobody knew and our motor was very silent also so i used <laughs> so i used to pride myself my team i have to i have to say something to pop them up no i said we are silent revolutionaries <laughs> but then we got into the problem i have to acknowledge here i i no hesitation state bank of india where we were bankers they actually they had lot of faith in me probably they had more in fact one of the officer told me we have more faith in you than your father because your father is not giving you money i am giving you the <laughs> so with them we actually turned around mereka forms was the first uh, break then we got uh, tvs then we got uh, sumit panasonic came later videocon when they came it was there this was the consolidation phase we were doing very well we prepaid we became a debt free company uh, somewhere in i think uh, mid uh, about 93 like that ever since that we are debt free we are not got any debt at all so this phase was very important the large growth of consumer durables which i anticipated came little late but it did come it started from 84 i was about 2 3 years early <laughs> and then what was happening is uh, multinational companies were actually trying to come for mass production of uh, small motors fhp motors and uh, this thing <coughs> we had uh, acdc motors that was one differentiation because see cromptons had a goa factory which was making only ac motor there was one company called rally wolf it's part of the uh, forbes group uh, it now not there they were making only dc motors we were the only fellows who were making both the motors so that again was a difference <coughs> and at that time we got into this one of the earliest things particularly with whirlpool they were actually they made us comply with qs 9000 those days it was called qs 9000 iso 9001 we start that time it was iso 9002 for uh, this thing but qs was supposed to be much better we got and then we got certified by panasonic whirlpool 
quality system so we 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 were actually sort of uh, partly by voluntary compliance and uh, my own passion for uh, you know a trouble free motor plus the customer demand also made us very strong on the quality system we are one of the small companies got iso quite some time back and kaizen continuous improvement that was our motto i never bothered about going for big big management uh, jargons or something it's a simple japanese concept on a continuous basis you keep improving in fact wellpool used to tell me mm, every year we won't give you price increase except the raw material price copper aluminium steel we'll give you but the other thing that price is for you have to improve your productivity that's how the multinationals operate and we learned lot of them <coughs> so that was the phase but then came 90 post 91 you had the reforms globalization all of you in some way or other would have been affected by this what is happening was the licensing barrier was totally taken off one fine morning Mr. Chidambaram, he was the Commerce Minister. He said no licensing, and the import duties were also drastically reduced. And we had a very inverted duty structure. Only this country had that uh, this thing. What happened was, see, motor has one of the major import is the copper. Now then, the special steel, what you call the silicon steel, these two. the duties were 50% or 55% whereas you can import a motor at 25% duty normally any uh, such a fiscal policy should be to encourage local value addition you you charge the lowest duty for raw materials intermediaries you charge the uh, inter somewhat medium duty and the highest duty for the finished product here it was just ulta we had a very uh, prob a uh, lot of problems over there it took quite some time to you know but we survived those uh, this thing these are all the issues at that and then the competition because in 89 the soviet union collapsed the lot of west i mean the western europeans came to east europe and then started manufacturing in a big way so the competition from east europe was that <coughs> and then the east asia taiwan thailand all these people were there china was just emerging as a big uh, this thing so all these were coming so we were actually we were strategizing and i think it was in 92 93 i said this is go motor will become a commodity you might as well make a, a, a short of selling it by weight <laughs> uh, i mean uh, it is big the prices were becoming so competitive so these were the issues price was the only driver <coughs> even though i did lot of work for developing these motors and all all those are because those guys get promotion invariably that is one problem with me for me was everybody the the people who are the development manager or these people they i will indigenize the motor everybody will be happy they will get promotion and go away the new fellow coming he will only talk about price <laughs> that was one thing second one was the sour mentality i don't know whether it is now it is changing but those days it was people want to make the motor because motor they felt is the heart of the appliance video con did that after getting motors from us in the initial stages they said this fellow must be making more money than me 
So I will make the motor myself. And it is a very important thing. Like that, that was the problem. So these were the issues. So we strategize that we need to do some value addition. Instead of giving a plain vanilla motor, do something more, give more value to the customer. <coughs> and then that was the time when the Rio protocol came, that sustainable development, climate control mechanisms, they're all coming. And the Rio protocol specified that by 2010, I'm talking of mid-90s, in another 15 years, India also will comply with energy norms for appliances and things like that. So one side that, that was coming. Then the talk of introducing climate control, I mean the energy norms for uh, the appliances came. Now where, where to come? We anticipated those things. And then that actually led me, instead of making this kind of plain vanilla motors, we will go for high efficiency motor. In my previous phase, I was more bothered about energy conversion than energy efficiency. How important energy efficiency, I will tell you in the, I will show you, it is in the next few slides. So this is a very important, this is actually for everybody, because all of you are running businesses or part of being executives, senior executives in big businesses. Energy issue, usage has got a lot of implication. See, I am comparing, I have taken this India, China, because they are the major drivers of economy, world economy, global economy today. And then Germany, the growth engine for Europe. USA, you cannot uh, ignore. They are the biggest uh, thing. And then Japan, who has set, set some benchmarks in these things. And then the world average. First, we will see what is the per capita consumption of electricity. See, world average is around 3,000. We are one-fourth of this. India overall thing is we are one-fourth. China has actually grown above this one. Germany, US is very high, 12,000, nearly 13,000 kilowatt hour units per person per year. But what is the emission? Per capita, we are the low least, 1.58 tons of copper, I mean, sorry, carbon dioxide per annum. But, and uh, USA is the highest, 16. China has also grown very rapidly. But more important is the total emission by the country. You see that uh, this I marked in red. China has become, in 2009 this happened, China overtook uh, US to become the world's largest polluter. And uh, India, we overtook Japan to become the third largest. In fact, this is one area where we have beaten the Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> so this is very, that is why even in 2009 when Copenhagen, the climate control conference happened, Obama, he had just, uh, it was one year, uh, this thing, he insisted that India and China should be on board for any climate control agreement. I mean, we, you know our politicians, they can talk uh, in a beautiful way. Uh, they said, no, no, when we were not developing, 
when we were underdeveloped you guys uh, spoiled the ecology became big now when we are developing you are putting all hurdles in our this thing see but these thing doesn't wash as you know recently in paris cop 21 india has committed very largely to uh, now reducing pollution <coughs> and then the last column which is very important this is i put as you know toe TO is nothing but tons of oil equivalent because energy you use oil you use gas you use electricity you use coal everything they reduce it in terms of oil equivalent how much energy you require to produce say $1000 of gdp you see china and india are very large in fact china is even worse than us whereas you see germany One sixth of what we use. Japan is even even less than one sixth. America is also not bad, point one five. Whereas we are in point six like that. That means we are very very inefficient energy users. Is that because of nuclear power in Japan? No, it is because I'll come to the next slide. You are just uh, this thing. It is because they use it very efficiently. their equipments are becoming very very efficient so our energy efficiency is a very important uh, thing i call this as the energy intensity of the economy our economy is very energy intensive and imagine what is going to happen when we catch up with the rest of the world four times we increase our uh, no the per capita consumption after all when the growth is there it must be accompanied by more electricity consumption that is one uh, normal no parameter hmm. so all these uh, are taken from international energy agency world economics uh, is a december 2014 uh, any any time now the 2015 figures will be out it is all there only you will have to collate it properly <coughs> now we come to the energy efficiency See, out of the greenhouse gases produced, 40% is accounted accounted by electricity. And as we develop, it is going to be more and more this thing. We cannot sustain this uh, kind of energy inefficiency. And interestingly, 60 to 65% of this is accounted by electric motors. You see in your house. how many motors are there <laughs> without knowing unknowingly you are using lot of motors a lot of inefficient motors so this is a very key and in india including terry the energy resources institute it is in the news for very wrong reasons these days <laughs> so this is they work on lighting only almost everybody they work on lights you had the incandescent lamp then came the fluorescent bulbs compact fluorescents leds work is going on but everybody neglected the motor which accounts for nearly 2/3 of the energy consumption electricity energy consumption this is where the challenge because everybody felt that there was a challenge and i saw an opportunity there that's where every challenge actually also gives you an opportunity that is where 
and unless this energy efficiency occurs and the renewable energy also is there we cannot make much headway to reduce the energy intensity of the economy and particularly countries like india other african countries and all where we are constrained by resources we can't put up a plant and we are on top of that we are a great democracy so a lot of uh, people will come up with flags and other things you know what happened in kudangulam <laughs> before they uh, this thing so it is going to be very very difficult till so why not use whatever resources we have more efficiently i mean it makes logical sense that is what uh, i am advocating <laughs> solar also is there part of that yeah it's coming actually deploying the that is there in the next renewable energy could be a great supplement for this also to mitigating this problem particularly our energy power power problems are mostly during the peak hour it is mostly the peak load problem i mean some states when tamil nadu was there about 3 years back we had a basic deficit itself now karnataka is facing that but now we have a basic deficit not there but still the peak hour problems are continuing so these things can be done and solar is one natural god given thing because during the peak hour only sun is also shining <laughs> and just briefly on the energy energy demand is growing very rapidly and in the next 3 years bihar and up are going to see phenomenal growth because they were their per capita bihar is 200 ours is you know indian average is 760 bihar is consuming 200 so when they develop particularly with a person like nitish kumar coming he last time he did lot of work on this area so it is growing very rapidly and even developed state like tamil nadu karnataka maharashtra almost and an average about 10% annual growth is there <coughs> next 3 years 88000 megawatts are required <coughs> gigawatts the 88000 megawatts that is 88 gigawatts is required that is the experts i mean you have of course now you don't have planning commission but there are some still the people are there uh, to do all these things <coughs> it's a very challenging infrastructure issue and substantial mitigation is possible through renewable energy sources and i will now briefly tell what how we can do it you know about solar we will take solar because that is one of the largest uh, freely available this thing wind is there but one thing uh, one caution i will give you is the renewable sources particularly wind and solar are very unreliable wind will wind is first of all seasonal and even when it's there like a coastal city you don't know when it stops same same thing for the solar suddenly a cloud will come your output will come down so you need to the grid management becomes more and more difficult <coughs> so you cannot uh, somebody tells you that we will go completely we will do away with the grid don't believe them it is not possible you have to have the grid conventional grid it could be nuclear i am not getting into the politics or social angles of all these things <coughs> as a engineer i will say a nuclear plant also can be very successfully made <coughs> so your present solar will concentrate more 
in our present dishing you have the solar panel going to a battery charge controller charging a battery and then it goes to a inverter which makes it because solar produces dc voltage you change it to a ac through an inverter and then it lights generally for rooftop small systems it can light up only lights and fans this is the present system i am not touching the solar farms and all big megawatt project because there is a some two three huge problems are there one is the rate you would know i think today or yesterday i think some 7 rupees suddenly they say 5 rupees <coughs> so something the viability itself by one stroke of a pen you can uh, completely ruin a project that kind of a things are there second it requires lot of land area and land is becoming a problem mm. those of you who have experienced it will and appreciate that yeah i mean those are all those are all you know collateral damages <laughs> but uh, the main for the entrepreneur or the industrialist uh, land itself is going to be problem and then another important thing water is required because washing the solar panels and all lot of water is required yeah so what is the issue in the present solution <clears throat> you are stuck with the same inefficient appliances the type of motors i used to make earlier <laughs> because there nobody bothered about efficiency it is only price 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 <laughs> and then there is a battery and driver it's a battery and inverter these two can consume as much as 30% of the solar panel power what you will get is only 0.7 of that particularly some of these imported so called uh, this thing from unknown names in china nobody will uh, bother about this thing you will lose lot of uh, this thing and then this conventional solar system cannot operate big motor loads i'll give you an example you have the home inverter because that is a flourishing market because of the power cuts and all it is nothing but hoarding electricity if same thing you do with food grain you will be put behind bars but electricity you can get away with it <laughs> there if you see they will very carefully say it is for some two three lights and some fans it can't even run your refrigerator refrigerator is a very small motor many times even the refrigerator cannot be run from that forget the air conditioners why because these motors they have one peculiar problem inherent characteristic when you switch on the motor the heavy inrush current is there this could actually even your dg set may not be able to take out in many industries or when there is a dg set operation the ac circuit will be taken out this kind of a things happen that is because of the inrush current during starting mostly refrigerator air conditioner not included overall efficiency comes down because of the this thing and then there is a the cost also goes up the rooftop area goes up 
Rooftop area is very important. Rooftop systems, we are now, MNRE, the Ministry of New and Renewable Energy is very much active in that. Mm. They are encouraging mm. rooftop. Tamil Nadu, I calculated roughly, we can have 15,000 megawatts of solar electricity if we use rooftops only. And nobody's permission is required. Mm. So that is a very, Germany has done a lot of work in this area. <coughs> And then comes the battery. None of these fellows who sell it will tell you how long the battery will last. You will know when when it conks. Some, some time back, about 3-4 years back, this EV electric uh, bikes came. Very green passionate, they bought. Within one year, promptly, the battery conked off. When you go there, at that time only, you realize so much of price you have to pay. Neither they will neither tell about the price nor about the life. So these are all the issues here. Mm. So <laughs> huh? we will have that one because I, let me complete this. Mm. Sorry, sir. Yeah. Sorry. Now the new solution which uh, we have already in the field we are proposing is there is one central controller. It is called, actually this is what electrical engineers all over the world are talking. They are talking about four things. One is distributed generation. Instead of having a big power plant running transmission distribution line, they have distributed generation. Number two, smart grid. The present grid is very dumb. It will, you know, you keep on loading a grid, suddenly it will trip. That is all. <coughs> then the load reduces, it will come back. Smart grid is required. The third one is super efficient DC appliances. Instead of AC, you go for DC appliances. Reduce the efficiency. That is what I uh, addressing the old, uh, uh, no, I, what I told you, the energy intensity of our economy. It can be brought down. The fourth thing is very contemporary, very futuristic. When you have a building automation, home automation things and all, every appliances have to be smart and it can connect it to the net. It is called the Internet of Things. This is going to be the future. <coughs> India also will be there. It is not because India is very fastly catching up with on these technologies. <coughs> so this is actually the iGrid is a micro grid for each and every building. Here, the PV panel is connected. And you have the power grid is also connected. And then there are appliances like air conditioner, refrigerators, ceiling fans, bulbs and lights. You can have a battery backup in case where night time also you don't have or you, you have a power grid is not reliable. You can have a, the battery charged from the solar and when the sun is not there it will run the thing from the battery. But that is very optional. Normally I don't recommend unless it is very mission critical. And then there is another thing, you can actually feed back the energy to the grid. That is allowed, Tamil Nadu is allowing, Karnataka is allowing. Tamil Nadu is very smart, they are only allowing in terms of units. Karnataka they made a very bold announcement, 9 rupees 70 paise per unit exported. That means you don't have to carry over, you get the cash credit. That uh, whereas Tamil Nadu you will only accumulate uh, units. And after one year, they will say, eh, no carry forward. <coughs> <laughs> 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 yeah, 
here another interesting thing is we have done actually with iit madras and uh, ministry of science and technology we have also done a micro wind turbine rooftop micro wind a pico hydel it is not micro hydel it is actually a pico hydel few kilowatts a running stream in the western ghats or himalayan sub himalayan region northeastern you can have uh, you can produce you don't have to build dam you just put a pipe run up the river system we can have that so this is the solution what it does is the smart grid what it does is it monitors the power available in the panel solar panel and what is the load demand when there is adequate power everything will run from dc directly no inverter no battery all the appliances will run if there is adequate power suppose in a cloudy day the power generation is somewhat less then it will run as much appliances as possible from the solar panel the balance from grid that is the second scenario the third scenario is when the night time when the sunlight is not there it will run everything from grid all these happens automatically the fourth scenario on a bright sunny day you have gone out only your refrigerator is running you have switched off all the loads you have excess power you can feed it to the grid so all the four possibilities that man that grid manages actually you are bringing a very important concept grid to a home level or a building level the key features are the use of super efficient appliances they operate they are hybrid ac or dc it will operate and there is no starting current in any of these appliances even motorized appliances <laughs> completely zero is the starting current so you don't have the issues connected with the starting current problems no inverter no battery normally so is uh, peace of mind to specifically talk about uh, super efficient appliances i have compared present be five star rated appliances and with uh, the new proposed solution first you have the one and a half ton air conditioner it takes around 1650 watts input you get five star ours takes only 333 average <coughs> we have actually registered the brand called this is called ichil then you have refrigerator a 300 liter two door frost free model about 180 watts it will draw normal five star appliances ours draws 40 watts the i freeze then comes the ceiling fan 55 watts is for the five star rated ours is 20 watts <coughs> i breeze then the tube lights which of course there are other why i am not a lighting man but still i have included we have developed uh, the hybrid lighting systems mainly because wherever i go light also is a important load i cannot ignore that so we thought we as for completion sake we have included the 4 feet the 2 feet bulb uh, light or a bulb so this is what is making uh, this thing so now you compare the the conventional solar system and the new solar system for example the small home one refrigerator three fans two tubes and two lights and the mid size home you throw one one ton ac also in that 
the panel rating for a conventional system should be 2 kilowatt sorry kilowatt panel ours will do what 0.3 kilowatt so the panel area reduced drastically reduced and with the refrigerator it will be a 5 kilowatt whereas ours is 1.6 kilowatt the price which is very important the present one without appliances will cost about 2 and 1/2 lakhs whereas ours including appliances will be 1.5 lakhs hmm. 1.5 lakhs. <coughs> Similarly, for the air conditioner one, instead of 9 lakhs, we can we give it at 4 lakhs, including the air conditioner, the fans, lights, everything. <coughs> the important thing is the rooftop area. You see the bottomos. You have 160 square feet of for the refrigerator model 160, whereas ours require only 25 square feet. we we are talk with one builder uh, who wants to have been there is a 20 story building four apartments per uh, floor each apartment is about 650 square feet so you have a rooftop area of around 2600 units uh, sorry square feet since it is mine is requiring only 25 square feet, Uh, square feet per house there are 80 apartments in that uh, building 80 into 25 2000 square feet that means you will have enough area to go around the whole building can be given the minimum the bare minimum necessities those who want air conditioner they can do it later so that is the power of this technology <coughs> i have done brief calc uh, this thing power you say 2 was 2 kilowatt versus 0.3 <coughs> and then the rooftop area cost i have already covered in this now what this impact is there on environment because that is one one is the impact on environment impact on the society on the economics the purse of the ultimate user actually this we score on all the three <laughs> if you see the impact on this thing the present ceiling fans india produces 3 30 million ceiling fans per year you can save 1050 megawatts if you change over to this technology refrigerator another 880 megawatts you can save led tube light 3600 that the people are already there are some special scheme government has announced led i will not claim any usp nothing except it can run on both you have now led is only dc operated or ac operated we have both ours can operate in both otherwise it is safe <laughs> refrigerator is another huge saving about 3960 nearly 4000 megawatts and this is per year addition we need so total saving at the load level is about 11000 megawatts and at the generation you take into account the plant load factor of the this thing and the transmission losses and the thefts because many of the many of the you know transmission losses are clubbed theft are clubbed under transmission losses in india is <coughs> very peculiar 
so at that time at the generator level you will have 20000 megawatts power saving year after year and today it's about 5 to 6 crores per megawatt you can look at the power about 100000 to 220000 crores per year savings are possible possible <coughs> so this is the power of this technology and the, imagine actually i have not calculated the carbon this thing because the usage pattern also has to come because the carbon emission is related to energy usage so how much daytime use how much uh, uh, no nighttime use with all these things we will have to take but in some places where we have installed we have actually got uh, around 80% savings their energy bill and there was there is one installation in kanyakumari when next time some of you go there please visit uh, vivekananda kendra there we one new building a training center uh, it was actually uh, uh, no it is used hardly 50% the occupancy rate balance it is uh, free so we put that uh, back into the grid we designed it in such a way that building is not paying any electricity charges at all zero energy building we have achieved and i was talking to vijay kumar uh, earlier we should actually put up uh, one such a demo thing in it. it is possible you can carefully design with the, this thing it is possible to design yeah. yeah so this is i actually some photos are there this uh, very dear to my heart this one you see like a some temple like thing this is a place in near in rameshwaram island place called kundukkal where swami vivekananda set his foot after his return from chicago he came to colombo from team boat he came to rameshwaram he landed there the old setupati maharaja he received him that place is now a beautiful memorial run by that uh, uh that ramakrishna tapovanam the tripurai people have built from a beautiful bridge you can see yeah from actually uh, pamban bridge it is visible beautiful building the entire building is running on solar and this is that is our panel some of that's a prayer hall the air conditioner you can see a night time view so this is just for your interest i just saw this so i thank you very much <coughs> thank you sir i think uh, if he is my pro- physics professor definitely i would have become an engineer also i think <laughs> give me a big hand to mr ramaratnam <clears throat> i think he made us to travel through the entire uh, what is his achievement you know right from the initial stage of positioning then consolidation then new innovation i think this is how three phases of his uh, development of business you know that's what he has done with that i think now we will leave the floor for question and answers if any you know we can give it to mike is there good evening sir good evening myself uh, manindra director of uh, deccan energy solutions